Hi there, you're listening to the Scottish Paranormal Podcast. Uh, tonight's guest, we've got Mark Anderson on the show. It is the night before Halloween. We've got a full moon lying outside and it's dark. <laughs> How's it going, Mark? Yeah, good, thanks, Chris. Good, yeah. Looking forward to tonight. It was quite mad. I mean, I had the, the wee came over. I was in here still working um, after work and um, I was out mucking about, came back in and I went back out and it was pitch black. It's like, oh, it's only five o'clock or something like that. It's like the, the clocks have went back and then everything's just, it gets it's pitch black. You know what I mean? So we're, we're on the, the 30 days a night. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know what I love this time of year? I love this time of year. Now, one of the best things is uh, where Chris and I, we live quite close together. And uh, one of the more famous places in Scotland is called Denton Woods. And I take the dog out there. See, about five o'clock at night and it's starting to get dark. Yeah. It's the best time in a clear night to see satellites and all the light pollutions away. So that's what I like to do. Maybe at this time of night, this sort of time of year, just go up and just get to see the stars, taking the dog out for a walk. So I quite like it at this time of the year. I like it a lot. I mean, I like it going back in the day when I was younger. I used to play hedgy <laughs> at night. And to anybody who's listening uh, to further afield that doesn't know what the, the Scottish vernacular of hedgy is, it's like going out and just like, jumping to people's hedges and doing the chicken run. They done it at yeah. night that they could see you. <laughs> this, day and age, this day and age, you probably get shot for it. <laughs> um, we used to call it in Dundee backy jumping. <laughs> <laughs> so, aye, so that's that's you know I used to do that like um, so <laughs> the good old days. But I I like that as well. I like um, seeing when you get a nice clear nights and it's starting to clear up a bit now. In fact, because the last couple of days the weather's been horrendous up here. It's been absolutely. Um, Torrential rain, big massive puddles everywhere, ponds in the middle of the road, um, and stuff like that. So starting to see a bit clear, clearer in the night. As I'm saying, full moon, although a wee bit of cloud still there, but hopefully it kind of um, kicks in when you get the you get the nice crisp nights that come in when they're nice and frosty and all that kind of stuff. Um, I have been kind of frequent in the mornings. I go out with the dog, and I either sometimes head up the cane papal or I head up to. Um, would you call it B Craigs and stuff like that? So I like just oh, yeah. nipping up to Kieran Papa. I'm taking a bit of Paul Sinclair's advice and trying to get out a bit more and get in the area. And I did go in the area quite a lot, but maybe not up to Kieran Papa as much. Mm-hmm. I've done a short video recently um, and pinged it on YouTube, uh, sorry, Truth Proof, in regards to just just to show Paul some of the kind of um, things that's happened in about Kieran Papa. I said, not just Kieran Papa, but I've got, as I said in the, the video, numerous things you've alluded to the Deckman Guinea Forest incident we had loads of other ones and just run about that area no saying that's the area but there is some kind of draw there over the years I'm thinking yeah. of taking a wee trip up at the winter solstice to see who's there because you get druids and all that going up and stuff Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might take a wee trip up and see what's up there um, and try and um, maybe quiz them see what they've seen <laughs> Yeah, I've actually spoken to guys who are into shamanic stuff and they have seen stuff there, I've actually with a couple of guys and uh, what's unusual is actually is that the even though these guys don't know each other is that some of the, the stories are quite similar in what they're seeing and although Kieran at Papel, it doesn't seem to be there seems to be other places around there like uh, in the Bathgate Hills there's also like Witch Craig for example uh, which is quite unusual. Yeah, but I, I would I would go so far in saying that Ken Papel is probably the epicenter. It seems to be uh, for me anyway. Um, it just seems to be there's there's more stories there or close about there. There's a there's a, a small car park about or oh, two or three minutes walk called the Knock, 
and a lot of people are, are reporting things there quite quite often. So, yeah, uh, I I think that's actually one of the places that probably not is. It's not been given the credit it's that uh, that it gets segment uh, Bonnie Bridge gets a bit more uh, bit more uh, limelight, but it's actually very very active. That, that was a thing like back in the day, and and I kind of stated that there was a lot of um, stories and sightings and cases about Bonnie Bridge and the surrounding areas. But that, that when they say the surrounding areas, it did stretch right out to West Lothian mm-hmm. and into um into the Lothians, and that's when you had a lot of like quite prominent encounters where you had the the Deckman story with a potential abduction or whatever the, the craft that tried to take Bob Taylor away, um, the forestry worker back in 79, am I right saying? Yeah, and, then, uh, and then you had, so that was a kind of prominent case that everybody kind of knows about. You got the A70 encounter, which happened in 92, um, prominent abduction case, which is literally your, for the Bob Taylor incident, you know, I'm maybe talking about it's about eight miles as the crow flies or something like that. If that, yeah, but um, I say five or six actually, not far. And for Kieran yeah. Papel, it's not that far as well. But then you've got that, you've got the, the Andy Swan encounter, which we spoke about, um, which was the the black triangular craft, which is like the kind of black Toblerone shape, prism type shape craft. Which I've got a kind of wee story about recently that I'd uh, that somebody pinged me a video. Um, and I'll relay that now just as we go on. But that's some of the main kind of prominent ones in the area. You've also got um sightings, there's a sighting in Armadale that dated back to the mid-80s, where there was two police officers seeing uh a craft which they described like a flying clothes pole. I mean, I take it that was a, a long cylindrical <laughs> object. Yeah. Um interestingly enough, I've got a story about that as well, which was the um, two brothers had seen the exact same thing and I only got the actual story of them recently I knew they'd seen it but I hadn't had the story so um, I'd seen them recently and spoke to them so I'll relay that shortly as well um, so that, that was another one and then can you moving out into that area there's, there's a lot of different stuff I mean there's so much um, things here but interesting thing I was up making a wee video recently um, which I'm going to share in Truth Proof as well um, about the Andy Swan encounter I was doing a wee video in Armadale Academy. It took memories back, because I used to be from Armadale. And there's a place where I used to play when I was younger called The Moss, which was um, just kind of moss land and bog land and stuff. And um, it was that place where I used to have that strange feeling. Um, and what brings it, What brings it? I think I mentioned this in one of the other podcasts, um, forgive me if I have, right? But it's... Um, when I relayed the, the story about the Silverman story, and uh, I had a kind of weird feeling where I was running up in that same area where the Silverman thing took place, unknown to me that, that kind of story. I only knew about the story about 20 years later when I had this kind of feeling of fear. And when I, I've relayed in the story that I had this feeling of fear, and it was like being a child again and having an unknown fear of something, what my mind always took me back to was the place in Armadale where I used to go and have this Tarzan swing up the most, mm-hmm. and it was far for the North the North Rig Road, which was where the Andy Swan encounter kind of took place. Um, Andy's also seen a few other um, things in that same vicinity over the years. Sent me a, a video, uh, something we'd seen. It was like a kind of a white sphere with lights going around about it. It's hard to discern what it is. It's definitely not a plane. Um, he knows what a a plane is obviously he's in a, in a satellite and stuff like that. It definitely was in a satellite. It was like a massive kind of white light where like lights going on about it. Um, 
there was also a guy William who was a who worked on Rolls Rolls Royce aircraft. He didn't know what it was either. You know what I mean? There's this thing they taped out the video, sure, but when you see these videos in phones, they're no ideal. You know what I mean, you don't you no, can just no, light and, uh, but understood the fact that um he, he's staying a flight path. He knows what kind of um yeah. like kind of planes lights are and all that kind of stuff. So you sent me stuff like that, and then other ones came up as well with an Armadale. When I done that story with Andy, it was a family friend got in contact, and they'd seen something in the same vicinity, which was just next day or no far from the North Rag Road and up next to where he stays now, which yeah. was a, a kind of, I think it was a orange or kind of gold colour orb, which was flying erratically at night um, in a kind of um, angular kind of fashion and stuff like that. And like the words that she was, it was quite unnerving, that's what she said. Yeah. Same place, right? Same place. And this was only um, around about COVID time or just pre-COVID, right? Yeah. When they because he said... Probably in about COVID or just before COVID, where he had seen that one he showed me the video, and then it was slightly after that when the the old family friend got in contact with me. Unbeknown to her, she didn't know where the actual thing took place. A lot of people don't know where Dan this one and kind of took place. They just roughly knew it was up the North Rig Road, right? But it took me to the exact spot, right? So I was at the spot and up there see that I know exactly where it is now. Somebody sent me a video recently. Um, this is a connection to it as well. So they sent me a video recently, um, from Blackridge to town Blackridge, which is basically the next town on from Armadale. Um, so the Andy Swan encounter kind of happened in between the two in the back roads, probably more near Blackridge and Armadale. So this was in the main street of Blackridge, and the video is only maybe it's a number of seconds long. It's no, it's no very long. They say they cut it off because they were having a personal conversation, but just to kind of show. Whereas, and it actually, when I asked when it happened, this is only recently, and only maybe talking in the last um, month or maybe six weeks or something like that, I got this video. Um, and they had, um, I'd say probably six weeks, to, it's probably between a month to two months anyway, right, I've had the video. Um, and I went back and asked when it was, and I'll get to you what, it, what was in it. They said it was probably December time. I didn't notice that at the time, but they said it was December last year. And I'm going to um, go and have a discussion with you about it so the video shows basically just a bright bright big light in the sky right very very low to the ground just above the tree line for you look at it from the main road the the good thing about the video as well which is it's a, it's a video from a phone right which is no ideal but you can actually see a plane in the background so yeah. you can see a, you can see the size of a plane the plane's lights far in the background and um so you can see this thing it's a massive light hovering above the trees. And you said you said it moved, it started stationary for a while, then it moved to the right, and then it disappeared. Um, but there's only so much of the video you can see with this like bright, bright light. So I looked at the video. I then went to a Google map and I went to street maps and found the exact because the sign's still there, because the sign, there's a house estate getting built there, right? And the sign is exactly still there. So I went to the place got the sign, looked at it, I then correlated it right through, or triangulated it through, it's in the exact same place where the Andy one encounter was. Do you know, I had a, so just for people that uh, probably don't don't know me very well, uh, Chris and I live in uh, an area called West Lothian, and essentially you can almost imagine that there's, between Edinburgh and Glasgow, there's town after town after town, and they just seem to go on. 
And in West Lothian, it seems to be quite active. So that's where things like uh, a 17 stint Deckman Woods, Ken Papler are, are all kept. And uh, the one thing is as well is that the aircraft uh, use it as a flight route. So if you're at Cairn Papel, you'll see planes uh, descending. And then when they get to my town of Livingston, they're actually really low down because it's only about about seven, eight miles to the to the airport. And I've dealt with people who have uh, made mistakes and uh, like uh, are misidentifying. And even they, even the the people that make like I've had one person that actually was thinking that the planets, like like things like Venus, for example, and Jupiter, were actually UFOs. But even they wouldn't miss planes. It's just really hard to do where we are. Yeah, uh, I actually also had a a lady who contacted me about, and I'm just wondering if it's the same person because it was at, it was a, a couple of months ago, and the person actually so a, a light and it was actually next to a sign. I can't remember where the where the case was. Uh, it was, uh, but I think it was around about that area, around Black Blackridge area, actually. So I'll need to catch up with you after this call. And make sure we're might be yeah. speaking with person actually. But it's, it's interesting though because it's it's quite a it's quite a prominent light, and it's not it's definitely too low down to be like a plane light or anything mm-hmm. like that. Because when you see it in the daytime, you can see where the trees are, and you can see the line of sight where the planes would be, and you can see the flight path in the background. And you can see the size of the planes in the background and stuff like that. But this thing is there and it's sitting stationary for a wee while. And then it, she said it moved along. There was a lot, she goes a longer video, but I was having a private conversation. I didn't want to relay that. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just on her phone, right? Which is fair enough. But unbeknown to her, um, a lot of people don't know where the Andes one encounter took place, right? So the line of sight where this thing goes right through, it's just coincidence or no, right? I'm not saying it's the same thing or the same, it's, it's going to be something to do with that. But Coincidentally enough, it's the exact same. It cuts right through the exact, exact same location. Mm-hmm. And this this thing couldn't have been high in the sky. I mean, for the, the line of sight, you can see it because you've got, like, um, above the tree line, if you keep going, you've then got, like, um, Fault House and, and all that kind of stuff kind of further up past Whitburn. You know what I mean? So if it was a plane, it would need to be, like, flying low to the ground all the way along for it to keep getting the, the prominent light. But even the, the, the brightness of the light was, like, really, really bright for... For that, it would need to be sitting basically just above the back of Black uh, Black Ridge. You know what I mean? For to for have that, and you would have seen the plane. Anyway, regardless of what it is, it might have been something anomalous. It, it might have been a, a rational explanation for it. the videos. No long enough to ascertain that. But the interesting thing that I kind of took for it all is when I actually looked at it and and took the lineage for that for this for the place where they were standing through the actual sign like where the, the, the sign was and then the, obviously the light was it takes you right through the Andy Swan encounter mm-hmm. right through it because it's just on the back road beyond that a few miles so that, that was one thing so the other interesting story that um I'm getting these out and I remember them right and we can get a chat so it's like I'm just going rattling through them now um, there was another one as well where I had went I would make a video for the a short video, as I said there for the Andy Swan encounter, and um, the the farmer stopped and asked me, um, basically what I was doing. You know what I mean? So I I just told him kind of what I was doing, and um, and he basically took my number. I mean, for somebody else, as he knew he was somebody else, I know he's got like a few accounts. Um, so he actually asked my number. I mean, I just asked him, I told him what I was doing and stuff like that. And he said, all right. And he knew who Andy Swan was. He knew the story. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, that is a quite a strange area. And he goes, can I get your number? 
So, um, so I quite interesting, and uh, I'm going to catch up with the, the person quite soon. Um, yeah. they they find out kind of what was, but that was kind of a, a few things. Just in that, it's quite new. Um, other things quite new as well, which is well, it's an old story, but I've relayed that a couple of times that I knew there was a few brothers that seen. And I talked about the the police officers who seen the, the flying clothes pole type um, UFO, which is a long cylindrical UFO. Like they they say that it was that it's not a flying clothes pole, but um, <laughs> the interesting thing was I knew there was a few brothers who'd seen it. Or a few other witnesses. Um, I'd never spoke to them, and they never came forward. And I'd um, I knew them, and I, I, I still know them, and I hadn't really kind of spoke about it. And somebody told me, "Oh, they've they seen that." So I asked them about it. I was I, was, I happened to be in a, a house where I'm just I was there at a friend's having a drink, and I see them, and I asked them about the story. So um, what they had seen is they were playing football in a place called the Corry Park, which is in the bottom of Armadale. On the way out of Armadale, like basically the south of Armadale. Oh, right. That makes a swimming pool, is it? Yep. Aye. Yeah. Just down past the swimming pool on the, on the right hand side. So they were in there playing football at Corrie Park. And then there was a, like this massive ship in the sky, like above. They said it was towards probably between Armadale and Bathgate. Yeah. Um, in the sky. And it was oblong. It, said it was oblong, um, kind of silvery whitish. And then it would, and they said it had lights right along it. They had like like dots, kind of lights right along it. And that's just the oblong thing he said. But what would happen because every now and again it would just it would just beam really, really, really bright. Like the whole thing would just beam really, really bright, and then die back down again. And you could see where it was, and it would do that intermittently, like not like it would just kind of go right, 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 massively bright, and then mm-hmm. kind of come down again, just stationary. This thing, and then. Um, I'm sure there was the two brothers had seen it, and maybe somebody else. Um, I think at the time they must have only been, I don't know, they must have only been maybe what age would they have been then? Since they would probably have been around about eight or nine, eight maybe something like that, or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, they went. One of them um, went to get his dad to get him to, to see it, but at the time the dad got there, it was away. Um, but the police seen seen the the same thing. I think they seen it from a different angle, but they say that it looked like a flying clothes pole, like a cylindrical type object. And that was, I'm sure, it was around about eighty five or eighty six. It's actually in the the Profos website, which is which was um, I think Gary Hesseltine, um had um, it's got a website about police accounts right across, yeah. the, right across the UK. I'm sure it's called Profos, and um, that account's in there. Because after yeah. I, had, I had them on here, the discussion, I kind of thought, I'm going to go through and see if that one is in there. And I had a good look through it and I found it. It is in now, there. I think it was also in the Scottish Paranormal, no, no, the, the, like a paranormal database, uh, UK-wide. Uh, if memory serves me correct, were there not two police people, two police officers noticed something around about Whitburn areas, or is that different? But the 70s, so actually, no, that was in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So there's another uh, encounter with police officers in Whitburn, which isn't too far away from... No, no, it's no. Whitburn's mainly um, the next town further south. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, and that's Whitburn's near the North Rig Road encounter. Um, mm-hmm. And the guards, it's like, if you can imagine, it's between Armadale and Blackridge, but Whitburn's the next town further to the the south of the town. I mean, I was talking about Quarry Park, that was mainly north of the town, it wasn't the south of the town, it was like down the bottom, but it's the north. Um, so, with that with that being said, the interesting thing I found about Whitburn and 
there's been a few kind of stories about that area, but Bo Kemet, strange stories and things like that. And there's, there's, I'm not sure if I can subscribe to it or no, but I, I, I find it interesting that people subscribe the, um, the geobagnetic anomalies, to like yeah. some things and window areas and things like that. Yeah, and there's a a massive geo geomagnetic anomaly which sits um, further south of Whitburn. And it's, it stretches right out for Whitburn shots, a big, big, big anomaly right there. And it stretches for miles. You can you can see it on the, you can get the maps like for NASA and stuff like that and look at it and everything. And um, I've looked at it from in that area. Nothing at Bonnie Bridge, although Bonnie Bridge is, I'm sure it sits quite low on the anomaly, but there's a high area that sits right round about um, that area. Basically, if you can, like, if you look at like, where can you. Sh- Further, can he what burn fault to shots and then further can he south of that and can he stretch into the bit of Pentlands there and things like that? Yeah. So, all that, but yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting theory. The, the reason I kind of kind of link it as well was where you get um, there's like strange anomalies happening in places like that. You get like you, there's places like I think people say it's gonna walk a ranch like that, some places like it's gonna walk a ranch. There's also a, a, a thing called the Kentucky anomaly. Which is like a right, right, um, high geomagnetic kind of field there, and there's loads of strange encounters there, which is like UFOs, cryptids, just crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, don't know. I mean, that's it's just a kind of. It's a, I think it's a, an interesting thing. I mean, but might have absolutely nothing to do with anything. There's um, a there's a guy called uh, David Cowan who I, I really like. I've actually had the privilege of meeting the guy. Uh, he and he's that he's done some exceptionally exceptional work he's a he's a dowser and um the dowser he's got the two the two metal uh, rods and he can sense energy and he's gone through an area of scotland called Perthshire, but he's been doing it for 40 years and he's been tracking all the uh the energy lines and there's what's really what i really like about him is is the, the thoroughness of what he talks about but also there's people that i respect really respect him so uh, a chap who used to be a president of uh, the Scottish Society of Psychical Research. Uh, that's that's a tongue twister. <laughs> Nick, <laughs> uh, Nick Kyle, he he really respects him and even people like Ron Halliday. And Ron Halliday's a, an experienced dowser and he, he really has a lot of respect for people like, uh, for David Cowan. And then uh, what Mr Cowan was saying was that things like uh, volcanic plugs are the are maybe the epicenter of of these sort of like not geomagnetic anomalies but like uh, energy lines or, or ley lines, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, the thing about like Dickman, Dickman Woods, there's actually Dickman, there's actually a hill called Dickman Law, but there's a smaller hill called Deer Hill, and that's actually where the uh, the, the abduction actually happened. And Deer Hill itself was a volcanic plug, and that's mm-hmm. uh, so it does subscribe quite nicely. Uh, the other things that are really interesting as well is that in a lot of these energy lines, you'll see like uh, things like stone hinges or stone circles. Yeah. And uh, Ken Papel, which we've spoken about before, has a has a hinge, and quite unusually, like places like uh, Stonehenge will be down the ground. Uh, Ken Papel is actually on a hill, which is really quite unusual for uh, for for that sort of hinge-like structure. Yeah. Um, and what I found really interesting, the only thing I've ever heard about something is I think. And please forgive me if I'm going wrong, but I think Skinwalker Ranch, they've got a hill, and at the end of it, they've got a... Uh, they've, they've got like a stone, it's not a stone circle, but it's a stone, 
it goes in a what they read if you look at it from above, it goes in a type of spiral. Yeah. In a type of spiral to and there was a, a kind of spirally stones spread out quite widely on the top of the hill, which mm. a spiral was supposed to um purportedly be like a, a portal or something like that. And it's also in some of the neighbouring areas where they've got it on walls and stuff like that, like a spiral design mm-hmm. and things like that. And and some in ancient kind of beliefs as the spiral was maybe like a like to do with a portal. And and that's kind of what the local kind of thing with the, the Skinwalker Ranch. Interestingly enough, um there's petroglyphs in the in the hill above Bonnie Bridge, which has got a double yeah. spiral in it. Mm-hmm. As well, when you find that there's like a big stone in the woods up there, um, at the top of Bonnie Bridge, and it's got like a double spiral and cut marks in it, yeah, as well, um, yeah. So it's interesting, kind of linking all these kind of things together, you know what I mean, and and trying to make head or tail of it, you know what I mean, and, and I don't think I ever will, you know what I mean, with people like, um, I don't know, like some of the, the good researchers of the day, you know what I mean, John Keelan and things like that, if they couldn't make Hayden or Terry, I don't think I will, you know what I mean, but at least we can try and chip away and, and put bits back into the puzzle and or or find something to do with it, you know what I mean? Or Yeah, yeah, there's a, I find that those those things really interesting. Uh, the, the cut marks and the one, if you don't mind me just going into this briefly, uh, the, the, there's a lot of things called cup and ring marks and they're just essentially little... Uh, they, they come, they'll, they'll just be little like grooves in in a, in a rock, but again going back to David Cowan, he uh, was saying that these are probably re- reference to some sort of energy circuit. When and I'm going to try and find a picture. Then now I've, I, I took yeah. it. Uh, just keep talking, and I'll. I'll, I'll dig yeah, no bother. The other thing that I think is really interesting is uh, in I can't remember. I can't remember what area of Scotland it is. I've actually been to it just a couple of years ago. Uh, Kilmartin Glen. That has uh, a couple of areas that actually have those sort of like uh, those spiral uh, heteroglyphs, like what you're talking about. Aye. And some and the on the on on when when they're signed, they're saying this probably represents sperm and eggs. And I'm thinking these guys are probably about I don't know, they're thousands of years old. Aye, they're going to have knowledge of of that sort of level of the human body. Uh, but the other thing they're saying is that these are found all, all over Europe, like in, in Portugal, for example. So it seems to be replicated not just in in Scotland, but also all over Europe and, and in America as well. What's the so big stone that was found out in Glasgow called again? There's a big massive stone found out in Glasgow, which has got um, loads of cut marks and on it. Oh, what's it called again? It's massive. It's like, um, it's got loads on it. I don't know. Uh, um, it got covered over. They actually covered over it because um, they were scared in case it was going to get vandalised or damaged, <laughs> and then they dug it back up again. Um, <laughs> it's like the conch stone or, or something. Oh, what's the name of it? Can't remember the name of it. Um, but it's quite it's quite interesting. Like the, the actual kind of size of this thing with like loads of stuff on it. Just try to dig out a picture where I can see it. Where the hell is that picture meant to? Uh, the one that I find interesting. And if anybody's from this area, I'd love to speak more to them. Uh, is in Fife in Markinch, so it's it's a really really interesting uh, area. Uh, and what you're talking about, like uh, there's there's an area of of Markinch. There's a there's a path that takes you up to another town, and I've had to run away from there. Just the the feel the fear overwhelms me. And what's really interesting is they've got a a henge like 
like Ken Papo, but on the lower ground. And it's actually on the Rose Line. So it actually goes, like, for example, for like the Notre Dame Cathedral, then up to uh, Roslyn, yeah. just like what you see in uh, in the Da Vinci Code. But then it goes through, uh, it keeps on going further, and it goes through this 5,000-year-old henge called Bath Park. And then there's a smaller uh, ring, a stone circle, and that's got cup and ring marks. And uh, they've actually moved it to make uh, make way for a road. But it just seems that there's other little things that almost like demonstrate an image, energy circuit, like a, a mound where now an, an old a, an old church is. But there's been an older uh, an older structure underneath that, and then there's a, a, a another standing stone. It almost like, makes like a an energy circuit. Yeah. And uh, I had a lot of things happen. I lived in Mark Ancient. There was a lot, a lot of weird things happen there. There's also uh, quite a well known story about the Beast of Barberney, which was a a big cat being seen in the mid two thousands. That was with the, that was with the picture that the picture of the the teeth was taken. If you ever heard us talking about the picture, oh yeah, that, that's where that was taken, Bulburnie House. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Aye. Very very mad place. You know what I mean? I can't even find the picture. I need to dig them out. I mean that's uh, that's annoying. You know what I'll do? I can I can stick them in. The, I can add them in. Yeah. Um, I've got pictures of the cut marks in that anyway, the ones above um, Bonnie Bridge, which is, there's quite good, there's actually ones, it looks like a kind of an alien's face, it's like three in a row, there's like two big ones as if it's eyes and there's like a mouth, um, we'll see it as that, alright, but the, you've got that, and then you've got um, the kind of spirals on the other side, quite prominent, you know what I mean, quite big, you know what I mean, so, I uh, Mark Inch is an interesting place, you know what I mean, I, I do find that with the, with the picture, and it, the kind of, Funny thing was that you were you were telling me about Mark Inch, and then um, it wasn't long after that my friend sent me the picture. Yeah, uh, really. <laughs> and, he, and, and he didn't know you at all. Yeah. He's going to the paranormal or anything like that. It's just like he had a few friends who were at a wedding. He goes, "I'll oh, have a look at this." And it's no, I mean, it's no as if like people if it was outwardly shared, they would just turn and say, "Oh, it's just this, it's just that." But when you actually see it and look at it, I've shared it like, a couple of times, just a wee bit at the bottom, so people kind of um, see us in it and stuff, but. It's um, definitely a real picture, and you actually see the jawline and all that kind of stuff in the shadow. I mean, talked about it before, but interesting. That's what I'm saying. Interesting synchronicity when you were talking about Mark Einstein before, you were telling me about the story about the, how it lines up and whatever. And then um, it was only a few weeks after that, or whatever, that I'd got the, the picture. And it was actually a few weeks after that I got invited to a wedding at Bill House. Which is no totally, way. Just totally bonkers. Aye. I was like, never been there before, never knew where it was. Yeah. And um, it was an overnight. Wedding there, and um, we went, nothing happened, just got drunk. I mean, that was it. Went to bed, woke up. <laughs> had a walk about the next morning and had to try and get the hangover away, but um, never seen anything. I was too hungover. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, uh, Burnley Park's beautiful. It used to be owned by a family called the Balfours, and the Balfour family still live there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, they're, it's, it's a beautiful part of the world. The one thing that isn't well known as well is that there's a, a small town called Star of Markinch. And uh, there's a place called Star Moss. Now, I've never heard any stories about people saying it's creepy or, and I've never heard any people saying an experience of the UFO or anything like that, but uh, a lot of the residents that live in, in Star uh, and in Glenrothes and all that, if you if they know it, they'll say that place is creepy as hell. No. Uh, I've never heard any, but it's, it's just the fact that so many people find it uh, quite quite scary. And I remember running through it uh, one morning and I just missed it. I was like, oh God, that's it's like something from a, a Hammer horror movie. <laughs> it was quite scary, but it's a, it is really beautiful. And 
the one thing I find, even if there's not any paranormal connections, there's places like in Burnt Island, for example, and, and Fife, and then Mark Inch. These sort of ancient sites and structures are all over Scotland. I think there's something really valuable with them, just even from a historic point of view. And I, I love seeing these things. There's, and there's just so many of them about. There's, there's one that I can relate to you. I've not really relayed it outwardly um, oh. online or anything like that, but um, it may be nothing, it may be something. But uh, when I was walking up B. Craig's, I think I told you this. The funny thing was, I was listening to something, and it was about, um, I was actually listening to a podcast, and it was like something to do with orbs or something like that. And um, I turned, I was on the, the, see the road that runs at the right at the back of B. Craig's, it runs, if you drive up the back here and you've got the wee mast that's there, the small kind of mast, and you've got, okay. um, do you know where I am? It's like it's no, it's just like on the pathway. It's like a a small weather mast or something like that. Yes, and uh, is it the same? Is it it's a footpath that will take you yeah. up to uh, the Cockerel Cock- Hill? Is that the same? No, 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 no. There. So if you if you drive a Bo, is it Bovernia or whatever the Bovorme, the the normal yeah. kind of car park, just with the swings yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. If you drive right up that steep road and uh-huh. you get to the top here. There's a, a week in the lay-by you can park, right? Uh-huh. So if you walk down that, it'll take you all the way back down to like where the, the lock is, all right? Yeah, so I know you are, yeah. I was coming through the woods and I was coming out the back way and um, I had the, the dog woods and stuff like that and I was listening to a podcast. I was actually, I was trying to think of the time. I'm sure it was March. It was that March this year mm-hmm. and um, or April, running about that time because it... This, I'll need to double check with the times and stuff. I didn't record the, the date. I could I could dig it out. But um it was um for looking at this stuff, I should have recorded that. <laughs> I mean, but I was uh, just busy and all that kind of stuff. But I could work out because I did I did record it somewhere, so I've got a rough idea. But when um the sun was setting roughly about um half six, seven-ish, as I could remember. So it might have been about March-ish or something like that. So anyway, walking through the woods. Coming up, I was listening to a podcast of David Orbs and stuff like that, funnily enough. And uh, I turned the corner, I turned the corner, and I uh, had a dog with us. And uh, there was like, there's re- these wee paths that come up the woods, and you've got the long track I'm talking about. So I started walking back up that track, up that track towards the laybys, and then a good walk there. And I just turned the corner, I was maybe about, I don't know, 20 meters in, if not a wee bit more than that. I seen a bright light in the forest, almost like, and I'm mean, you're talking the trees that I seen the light shining through, right? It was just like they were only maybe five meters away from me, right? But initially, to me, it looked like the sun, the sun shining through the trees, right? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I and I just, I actually thought it was the sun, right? And I kind of didn't even take any notice. It's almost like the sun shining through the trees. So, see if you're walking past trees and the sun shining through. Mm-hmm. It was like that, but it was only like in a clump of trees that kind of shone through, right? That's mental. And I, I kind of, and I kept walking, and I turned around and I thought, and I looked over, the sun was setting over on the opposite side, because at that time of year, it's like mm-hmm. the sun will set further south, right? So, and it was like, I was like, I, I kind of stopped and I kind of thought, the sun's over there, yeah. right? So I stopped and I walked back, right? And mm-hmm. I seen... An orange light, right, go through the forest, right? Only okay. maybe, this this must have only been the, the orange light I seen. See the actual the, the, the shiny light I seen? It was coming through the, the trees, right? It was really, really bright. It looked like the sun, right? Just for that glint that I seen, just for that 
splits kind of couple of seconds. Yeah. And I, just, uh, and I just kept walking though. I didn't take any notice until I thought, I just had that few steps and I thought, no, the sun's there. That's <laughs> and I walked back, yeah. right? And then, then I, it looked like, see what I had in my head, like see if you had a lantern, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, I know I'm saying this like Jackie Lantern, right? But if you had a lantern mm-hmm. and um, it was like only about probably 10 metres in the tree line, this light now was just a like a, a, a basically a kind of orangey colour moving through the trees. It wasn't dark. This wasn't dark, right? This was still light because like, the sun had the set on that. It was just kind of like setting, so it was still quite light. And I actually thought, and I kind of thought, no, I'm going to go and check out what this is, right? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, a, a few steps, I could hear people coming down the path. I kind of thought, maybe there's just somebody in there. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I walked around, I went back with the dog, nobody there, right? I thought there's nobody there. And I thought there must be a rational explanation for this, right? So I went in. There's a path further in there, right? There's a path further in, and there's a, a mountain bike path further in. So I thought maybe somebody with a mountain bike light on Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to rationalise it. I'm looking at it, right? So mm-hmm. I went up and I've looked at it. The mountain bike track is well in, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's a good bit in. I mean, it's... And then, for me, you actually see the orange kind of light. How would they be seeing that? Yeah. That bit? So, I went and looked at the track, right? Sorry. So, what I've what seen this bright light mm-hmm. and I've seen an orange light. It was like, so, if you can imagine, I'm staring at this. It's a flash of bright light. I walk a few steps. I thought, no, I turn back and then I see an orange glow, like, just going through the forest. No too far away, though. Okay? And it's no, like, away we in the forest. This is just, like, about 10 metres in. And I kind of thought, it's a, and you, but it was quite dense in that. I kind of thought, there's somebody there just walking through a dog or something. So I went around, nobody there, couldn't see nothing. And I'm kind of rationalised it, thinking, right, maybe it's somebody on a mountain bike who's had a bright light. They've came through, just shone for that one split second. And then I'm just maybe seeing the back of the light kind of gone out. So I've since went right in. And I've looked at the, the mountain bike track. It's, 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 it's quite deep. And I'm thinking, so what I want to do is I want to go, I want to get maybe if you go in the forest or one is will stand by the bit, I want to see if you can see a light through there or laser light through or something like that because I don't think you can. And it looked for where I could see it. I went, I've been in, I was actually up the other day there and I kind of thought that just, that kind of happened there because where I've seen the orange light, the actual, the actual mountain bike track is well done. And you wouldn't get a mountain bike or anything like through any other bit. You wouldn't. You couldn't. Yeah. It's just it's like heavy trees and marsh and all that kind of stuff. But the actual track is is, is probably it's, it's probably a good hundred meters down or something. I've no more than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You wouldn't have seen it. I know that. I know. I don't know exactly know where you are, but I know the, the the landscape and the other thing as well. It's probably important to say is it's quite well signposted to say like if if you're a mountain bike place. Not to go in there, they've got like red signs to only for mountain bikes. So, ah, you probably could go in there, but with that though. But what what I'm getting at is like it's the I'm not making sense. It's no because I rationalise it, thinking it, it probably is something like that, right? But then, but I went in and looked at it. But the track is well, well, well further back. Mm-hmm. I never seen anybody coming out when I went back and looked, unless they maybe shot into another bit of forest, or whatever. But I couldn't see anybody. It was it was quite it was quite far away. I just kind of think you wouldn't get that intensity of light for them being that far into dense forest and that kind of shining through. I mean, I've got bike lights and that, and they're nothing like that. But I mean, and then seeing an orange light kind of floating through as well, it was like it's it was a funny one. 
And there was there was people coming down my dog and that after that, and I kind of thought like maybe there's been somebody there. But I went right round. I made a point. I was like, no, I'm going to go and check what this is to see. Yeah. Usually, uh-huh. I just kind of walked on. But I was like, no, I'm going to go back. And I went round. I turned the corner. I went down the looked in it, and I, and I and I kind of was a bit perplexed. I thought thought there's nobody there. You wouldn't get a bike through there. You wouldn't get this through there. And I was like, ah, what, what was that? I'll take you up and let you show you exactly yeah. what happened. That it was just yeah. a bad one, but it might be absolutely nothing. Um, well, talking about orange lights, I, I actually I think I messaged the other day somebody that we both know. I, I know I know very well. Uh, I was reported that they they saw a, a an orange uh, orange UFO. Now this person is not into not really into UFOs, and uh, very so very believable witness. Somebody I've known for a long long time. So uh, yeah, it's. It is really it's it's a really interesting place. One one thing I did about two actually almost two years ago was I went around uh, around Bathgate with a guy who who knew the area really well, and so the sorry the Bathgate Hills. So the Bathgate Hills they, they sort of start at the north part of Livingston and uh, end up going ending up about Linlithgow area. Is that is that roughly? And then yeah, yeah, the... Bathgate Hills is skip right round, right round like Bathgate, Lunlithgow. Well, probably like to fucking Lunlithgow. Maybe no, aye. You probably there. That's where they kind of come in and right round, didn't he? Yeah, aye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good and, kind of uh, decent, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's a beautiful part of the world, but it's it isn't. It, they just it, there's so much activity. Like a uh, person I spoke to was saying, there's a there's a there's a lock there, for example. It's a man-made lock, and they said that they used to go. Uh, round there as kids, and they saw they saw like a, a ghost. Uh, there's other things about reports, and I've I've spoken to this person who uh, was like there's something banging on their on their, their car, and they're just up there one night. So there's there's so much activity there. We're, we're probably missing uh, yeah. missing stuff, but we've even heard of campers being like approached, like footsteps coming towards uh, uh, towards campers in the Bathgate Hills. And the only time ever I've heard about something similar to that is Ben McDewey. So it's a really reactive place, uh, yeah. and it's super fascinating. No, it is. And that's it. When I was talking to Paul Sinclair, he was he was trying to try and get out more. You know what I mean? As in, like, because they they go out quite a lot. They'll go out and they'll they'll sky watch and they'll record stuff. Kind of at, um, at most nights and things like that during the week and weekends and and day stuff like that. So I try and spend time up like I'm out walking the dogs. So I'll be out walking the dog in the morning, but just I'm I'm literally at. at Probably the base of the Bathgate Hills where I stay now, mm-hmm. um, which I'm I, I reckon I'm I'm probably what to to Cairn Papel I'm probably about four miles away as the crow flies. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, if that, um, but I mean I'm out there with the dog in the mornings and stuff and try and get out when I can. And um, but you know what it's like with this kind of kind of the, the age we're in the now, kids and all that kind of stuff and clubs and work and everything, it's, it's try to get time to do it. You know I mean? That's it. You just yeah. need to try and make time to, to push into it. But listen, we'll get there. And um, the, the main kind of thing about me wanting to do this podcast is to get more people to come forward. You know what I mean? The odd stories coming out, there's a few things coming out here and there. You know what I mean? And it's like, hopefully, um, if anything more happens in the disclosure process, if uh, maybe... More people will come out kind of for that, you know what I mean? But um I quick kind of said you into into that, but I mean uh, you've been following much with disclosure, what's been happening? Not for a not for a while actually. Uh, the one the one with Arrow, 
put me off a bit. And uh, just for anybody that's not, uh, again, doesn't really know me that well, I uh, I was researching AI for uh, a, a talk this year. And then uh, one of the people who were interviewing, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, was talking about things like predictive analytics, which is essentially what AI is used for. And I'm thinking, oh, no, this is just, this is this is rubbish. And it just felt as uh, as uh, the UF, that UFO podcast, people call it a nothing burger. And it just seems to be consistent <laughs> over and over again. So I've, I've I've got to admit, I've kind of been put off by it because of the fact that they're just giving you this little crumb of something that's interesting. And then the rest of it, it's uh, it's, it's very carefully worded uh, denials. And that's... Aye. The other, yeah. uh, other recent report came out as well, and it was like total shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Excuse the language. Yeah. Um, but it was, and um, so if, if people don't, the thing is, though, if you don't follow it, um, you might not hear about it. You might not know about it. Most of the general public don't know about it. Um, but if if you're no aware of it, you know what I mean? There's been a a push within the US Congress to um get more oversight on. I'd say they're kind of looking to try and get more oversight on um. One, they're recording it in regards to pilots and military, which has happened, and they, they can actually um, record more of their, their sightings and all that kind of stuff now for air misses and um, air traffic misses and things like that, they, for UAP, they call them, or UFOs. But uh, in regards to that, so that's been happening for a, a long wee bit of time now. There's been pushed by different people within. Generally what it is is people within the DOD pushing it. They want to try and get this out disclosure-wise, and there's people trying to keep it in. Um, Congress are kind of stuck in the middle. They're trying to um, go through legalities here and trying to get hearings done and things like that. There's been the UAP task force are set up. Then there's now Arrow are set up, um, which are basically looking into it. But they're still looking at lights in the sky and, and shit like that, which is, is basically just annoys me because you've, they've been looking at that going back to for like 80 years ago, 75, 80 years ago. And they're even then they're saying the same things and even then they said it was more credible than they're actually saying it is now in some of these ones but there's stuff coming out and um, if you actually follow it or look into it um, it takes a lot to kind of look at it because it's there's loads and loads there to follow you need to know what they follow what, you need, what news cycles to follow because it'll get on a bit of mainstream news for five minutes of airplay or whatever or been the Guardian or been a, a few different other kind of um, tabloids or It'll get be on News Nation or CNN or whatever else, and it'll disappear again. Um, but there has been a bit of push happening, so there's been a number of different reports came out. Nothing in them that great. Um, there's been the last hearing, which we Commander David Fravor, um, Ryan Grush, and um, what's the other pilot's name? Oh, I thought it was David Grush and Ryan Graves, is it? David Grush and Ryan Graves, sorry, that's it. I, and uh, so they were, Ryan Graves and Commander Fravor, David Fravor, was, uh, they were two uh, pilots who encountered different UFOs in the sky, recorded them. These things were recorded on a, a lot of different sensor systems, so they were there, they were things. Um, one of them actually chased them and things like that, and I mean, chased the actual Tic Tac, that was back in 2004. So anyway, Grush was, um, he worked for the UAP task force, that was before the new one that's been set up called Arrow. Um, and he interviewed a number of different contractors um, during that process, people who worked on programmes, 
Um, so this is all about oversight. It's all about basically about money, about oversight, about secret programs that I know it sounds conspiracy theorist like, but it's true. Um, programs that have got the oversight on and for like monetary terms. So it's um, there's Congress should have oversight on it, and that's the kind of mean kind of game they try to play to try and get some of these people who have potentially got um, recovered craft and stuff like that. And it's not even just the, the DOD, it's going to be private industry, places like Lockheed Martin, MacArthur Douglas, um, different types of places like that um, who have got the onerous on some of these things. So there's a bill that's been put forward called the Schumer Amendment, um, which is it'll be probably getting pushed through in December if it happens. I think they're making amendments to it. But um, if that goes ahead, the wording in that um, is basically if you've got, it's mainly saying if, if their company's got um, craft or recovered engine, basically in the wording it actually says recovered craft of unknown origin, recovered materials of unknown or, origin um, or non-human intelligence. It states like non-human intelligence in this bill about like 26 times or something. Um, I might be wrong in that that number, but it goes through this. This has gone through Congress. Um, it talks about recovered craft, recovered metamaterials, um, biologicals, things like that. So it talks about all this non-human intelligence. So they think that, or they know, because they've had um, briefings with different people, that these programs exist. They know exactly where the craft are. They know what they've got. They know where they're keeping them. Um, but they need this oversight to happen so they actually can... Um, take them back. So they're a thing called imminent domain, which means that they can retrieve them and, and take them back. Um, but then there's a, a clause in there in the case, well, I think they're making some changes to the word in there because some of these private contractors might have actually um, retrieved these craft on their own merit or own teams or whatever else. So, oh, this is happening. Um, so the way it looks like now, there's like a bit of push, there's a bit of push where People like Lou Elizondo, um, you got Christopher Mellon, you know what I mean? So they were basically in the ATIP programme. Christopher Mellon, wasn't he? He was, um, was it under Defence Intelligence or something like that? Christopher Mellon was. I remember. Um, so uh, yeah. Uh, but remember it all, and actually, it does take a bit, you know what I mean? So there's probably some of that wrong, but I mean, in regards to the actual context, yeah, it's right. So watch your space. Um, you will get snippets in the news and all that kind of stuff, and there is things happening, you know what I mean? So one of the latest things to come out um, was one of the guys who were uh, um, one of the project managers in, in OSAP, a guy called James Lakatsky. Uh, James Lakatsky. Um, he was a physicist. And one of the the new book that he's got out with Colin Kelleher um, and George Knapp, he had relayed a bit in that in regards to that they had a craft and um, they managed to get inside it and stuff like that. You only said a certain amount, couldn't go too far with it. But um, there's things happening. So Here's a question about OSAP. Now, when, if you've ever read uh, Skinwalkers in the Pentagon, which is a fantastic book, they talked about the the different things of the OSAP, but they also very clearly said that there was database developers and people uh, de developing these sort of like business, uh, so these sort of like uh, intelligence solutions. Mm -hmm. Now, where did all that data go to? That they've got the biggest amount of data on UFOs, apparently. You know what I mean, because they had they, they had like teams of people working on it constantly. Yeah. Um, so they've got that data. That's the thing. So they, they don't know if um if that data has been shared by anybody else, like the UAP task force and the the now like the the arrow which is set up 
Um, but in regards to it, the, the, the interesting thing is if you actually look into it on and, and know or the person who was asked to set up um, the UAP task force um, was a guy called Jay Stratton who used to actually work um, or was like head of the, the OSAP career programme when that was running as well. Um, he he is the guy in the book, if you if you read the book Skinwalkers with the Pentagon, he is the guy who is Axel Rod. Um, okay. where, uh-huh. where he had the um, what was it hitchhiker effect? Yes, uh-huh. some type of dogman type thing in his back garden. Um, seen orbs, kids and that, seen them. That I mean, I think other kids in the street had seen this daft, um, wolf like creature at the back mm-hmm. of his house. His wife seen it, and I had claw marks on a tree and all that. Strange that things. They went, yeah, they went to Skinwalker Ranch, didn't he? So Axel Rod was in Skinwalker Ranch with three other people, two other people, and they were doing yeah. some sort of surveys. So that was that was and, supposed to be Jay yeah. Stratton, um, uh-huh. and that's and that was with the OSAP program. So all the data they retrieved for that, there was a lot more stuff. But I do find that interesting. I think with the the program, the hunt, the sorry, the the Cursor Skinwalker Ranch or whatever it's called in America, that that kind of program. That's I think they're getting nods and winks for some for obviously people who used to work on the um OSAP program because like with the things they're looking at now, they're looking at internally in the Mesa, but there's something in there. Yes. Uh, uh-huh. There are anomalies in there and things like that. They find other anomalies and know what they're looking for. Um and um different signals are getting, you know what I mean? When they're getting the, the one well that, that band and about the one point six gigahertz they keep getting, that's like a, a satellite communication signal. Um but that different, was it. Aye, that you get you get military channels and other ones using that for uh, one. It's, it's running about that kind of range for talking to space to earth, right? But the you you won't get it sometimes what they get. So the difference between that is that that does get used. But the interesting one that happens in Skinwalker Ranch is like the whole spectrum lifts at that. It's not just like you'll get on a spectrum analyzer. You'll get like certain points that pop up where where this is. But the 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 difference is, what um, is it Eric Bard who works on it? Eric Bard. Yeah. The difference uh-huh. is what he said is when you, you the spectrum analyzer, if it's a normal kind of signal like that, you would see it kind of stationary. Um, but the difference what you see is with it, there's, there's a transit signal that will kind of jump about with the same kind of signal, or the full spectrum will lift at that kind of thing. So it'd be interesting. I'd be really interested to get a spectrum analyzer and and, and do the same up at the Bathgate Hills and see what we can get or some of these different locations. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I do look at these programmes and kind of think to myself, right, they're probably using some of the kind of techniques that was maybe used in the ranch before or they've probably found some new ones. Um, Dr. Travis Taylor was on that as well. He worked for the UAP task force as well. Oh, right, I didn't know that. Yeah, he worked for it yeah. as well. Um, and he kept it secret until the just the last series there. He was okay. kind of working for the UEP task force as well. Um, but that was interesting because the Jay Stratton, he was the guy that set that up. So uh, Grush, he probably worked under him or something at one point. So that was people try to discredit Grush, who'd seen who talked to all these 40 witnesses who were defense contractors or people in the military he knew and things like that. And um they basically said they've worked on craft, they've seen biologics, they've worked in like like biological material or like bodies or whatever. They've um, seen a number of different craft. He said, I think sound like 12 or 14 craft or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got, so all that's kind of in the mix of <clears throat> what's happening. But 
people are trying to discredit uh, Grush, <clears throat> but at the same time, no taking into consideration, like some places that they know, no taking into consideration that he actually was an intelligence officer, worked for the geospatial unit, um, and he also was like working for the UEP task force, who was set up by like people like G Stratton and all that. So, I mean, I I kind of see OSAP, and this this maybe sound mad, you know what I mean? But I might I kind of see OSAP as a Trojan horse to it, a Trojan horse to the thing called the what they call it is the program. The program is like the basically the program that they're like dealing with UFOs and and recovered craft and all that kind of stuff for like back in the day. And that's what they call it, the program. Uh I don't know. I might be totally wrong, but I can see OSAP as kind of like a Trojan horse to that. Because that was set up back in the day like the uh, Harry Reid and things like that, the DIA. Yeah. And that started and ATIP came for that. And they were trying to get inside. And they were trying to get access to some other stuff as well. And then they've done a lot of the rain stuff. You know what I mean? I don't know how far they, they might have got like they probably did get some knowledge of some programs and things like that, but I kind of look at it as maybe they were a wee bit on the outside of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I might be totally wrong in that. But um, yeah. When I listen to stuff and I read the books the day we are, I kind of, you can kind of see that. And I kind of think maybe that's the Trojan horse to try and dig this out. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the one thing I was really interested in is um, is body language. And there's a YouTube channel called uh, the Body Language, the Behaviour Panel. And there are four world-class experts on on body language. And from time to time, they'll do things on UFOs. And they were looking at the the, the body language of, of Grush, of, uh, of also the presidents as well. And it was like with Grush, they were saying, it's like he's holding something back. Mm. And uh, it probably it does, is. Yeah. Uh, I've got to admit personally when the last time it was in July when him, Fravor, and Graves did a did the did their their testimony to the, the Congress, I found Graves and Fravor more convincing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I felt yeah that, that's, my, that's my personal views. The thing the thing about the thing about Grush is that people didn't understand as well. He's um, I don't know what it what it is, but he's somewhere on the spectrum as yeah. well. So he might to some people it might seem a bit awkward or a bit kind of off and whatever else, but it's like it's that's what has has been kind of alluded to and things like that. I mean, but this guy's been in in the mix of this stuff for kind of um, years, and he's, he's a bright guy. You know what I mean? He's like a physicist as well. You know what I mean? And it's like um, it's, it's it's interesting. I mean, so all that's gone on, and I don't know how they're going to end up because it looks like you've got. Um, certain people trying to push this out although you might think like Lula Zondo and things like that, some people think they're actually still working internally but there's maybe push, trying to push it out and then there's, but there's people trying to keep it in. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about it all, which I've probably read before is going back in the day before the videos of the Tic Tac came out and stuff like that running about, it probably was running about before that it was before that um, Tom DeLong, Tom DeLong came out and he was talking to Joe Rogan about like Tourist Stars Academy and and trying to get. Um, he said he went to the story. He went to basically um, military insiders, whatever, and tried to basically say like, I can help you get this out because people didn't trust the military and all that. I know he's going to get a story out and all that kind of stuff. So he, he got traction with it anyway, and he got invited to, to talk to a few people and ended up ended up in a skiff in um, Lockheed Martin. 
and talking about things as well and how they're going to try and disclose this and all that. And he told Joe Rogan this story and Joe Rogan just kind of thought, he's, he's absolute nuts, mm-hmm. right? But then a year later, the Tic Tac videos come out, right? He's in, he's got through the Stars Academy. He's got Jim Simivan working for him, who was like quite high up in the CIA. Yeah. He's got Louisa Elizondo working for him, who was head of ATIP. He's got um, Chris Mellon working for him, who was the undersecretary um, for Defence for Intelligence. And he's also got um, Steve Justice working for him, who was like one of the project managers for Lockheed Martin. I mean, so he knows somebody, he knows somewhere, right? And then when the the, the actual, um, what do you call it happened? When they were running for, when basically Hillary Clinton was running for president, and then all the kind of leaks came out about the the democratic emails and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. She ended up um, losing the election. Maybe not just from that, but she lost the election and stuff. But in the emails, there was emails for Tom DeLong, um, a guy called General McCaslin, um, who's supposed to be part of this programme, or I think he's maybe retired now, whatever, right? Or he's probably a defence contractor now, whatever. But he was, um, there was a General McCaslin, and there was people for Lockheed Martin, and John Podesta, who was Hillary Clinton's right-hand man, mm-hmm. all talking about meeting and emails and blah, 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 UEP stuff like that. In that tranche of emails, they were, that was there. So what he said was, well, you don't know if the information he was told of some of these people was true or not, you know what I mean? But it was getting pushed out that way, and then it was there's a, it's a big kind of, it's a big lie if it is, in that sense, and for what they're trying to do in a film, for to try and push us out, but... I don't know what happened in regards to um, To The Stars because they went so far with it. They'd done the documentaries with really, really good UFO documentaries about getting it pushed out about the Tic Tac event and about other military insiders. And then um, it kind of died a death a wee bit and then they all kind of split up and then um, you still got Lula Zondo kind of pushing it out, trying to kind of um, do stuff. You still got Chris Mellon. And, then, uh, and they still say, I mean, they talk about like, when you had the hearings that came on recently with the two pilots and you had David Grush, um, they said they they kind of allude to there's more there's more to come. There'll be more people there. You know what I mean? So the way kind of Alou was on was I can't remember where I read it, but he basically said this is just the start. And it was like there's there'll be more people to come on this, you know what I mean? If they get called up and stuff like that. And somebody asked James Lacat say, I think it was um what's his name? Was it George Knapp or no, it was Jeremy Corbell, I think I'd asked James Lacatsey, who worked in the OSAP program, would you would you um go in the stand? And he said no, you know what I mean? But because some of them still want to have there's still there's obviously a national security issue here as well, because if they think if any of this information goes to Congress, then it goes back to like China or it goes back to Russia or it goes back to can whoever. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want the secrets gone too far. But I mean, there's stuff happening and all this stuff I've just spoke about, the mainstream people didn't know about it. I mean, it's, it's totally nuts because, like, I've, I've mentioned this before, where you, you maybe talk to somebody about it or try and just show a slight bit of interest to see where they are with it. And yeah, uh-huh. people are absolutely bloody oblivious to it. I mean, it's, like, know, it's Yeah, it's crazy. Like, say, for example, uh, I take my dog around Dickman Woods. So Dickman Woods is one, one of the most famous, certainly in the UK, maybe Europe... I wouldn't go so far in the world, but certainly one one of the big ones. And I'll say Europe because I've I've even been on, uh, been on TV shows where they've been done from the Netherlands and they've been oh, totally. But when I I go up there, maybe once every two or three days, and you get speaking to people, and 
there's like there's even a, a a signpost to say this is where the UFO happened. They've got like a little stand. Yeah. And people will go, oh, they'll know about it. And they'll go, oh, I knew uh, I knew Robert Taylor or something like that. But nobody's interested in it. I've I've spoken to two people and I got what speaking to one pet one lady who said, Yeah, her sister saw something in a place called uh, Craig's Hill. Another guy who's quite interested in it. Uh, but it's just that there's hardly any uh, anybody really that interested, even though there's a big sign saying somebody got abducted here and they'll just walk right past it and not care. Uh, the other one as well is that I always try to put feelers out when I'm at Ken Papel or something like that. Mm-hmm. And next to Ken Papel, we're talking about standing UAP up there. <laughs> Travis Taylor well, accent. Travis Taylor accent. I actually, I, I, I actually have right done there. that. Yeah, I have seen I have seen UFOs in the past. And just before we came on, we we're talking about screen memories, and I think there's a lot more to that. But I've actually said to somebody, "Do you not see that?" And they'll go, "Oh yeah," and they'll it's like they'll forget about it, or it's not a big deal to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, going back to there's there's two stand. Oh, there's actually one standstone now called the Clanking Stone, and there used to be two. And it's kind of like imagine Karen Papel's a hill at the kind of the bottom of this hill. There's this uh, smaller standing stone. And I said. Have, have you heard of any anything unusual or what have you heard? Do you know anything about that story? Went, uh, yeah, that's where the cows have a scratch. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that, that's the sort of level you get from most people, even though it's on the Guardian or on the BBC, as you're saying, it's not, it isn't out there. Um, what my thoughts are is uh, talking about what you're saying about spectrum analyzers. There's a type of technology come out called uh, Internet of Things, it's been out here for a while. And you can actually take pretty much the entire electromagnetic spectrum all the way from radio waves right the way through to uh, ultraviolet light. And there's some sort of device. And they're designed to be cheap. Now, to set something up and have infrastructure is going to be quite expensive. Uh, but it is potential that if you had uh, uh, some of the projects that are going about, like Project NAMU or the Enigma project, I would love to see people, instead of looking just at cameras, actually trying to get out and trying to use IoT devices to capture data on places that are of high strangeness like Cain Papel or Bonnie Bridge or all mm. these all these places and have not just one data point but multiple data points. And it's hard to uh if if you're getting things like unusual uh, infrared or unusual radio waves, it's it's a bit more convincing than just a camera camera being taken and it could be and like I, I get pictures of UFOs and just it's just a spot of light. There's yeah. nothing much you can do with it. Yeah. That's I know I know what you mean. And that's that uh, you, you can you can do it as most pictures are just like lights in the sky. I mean and yeah. the thing is and that's what kind of annoys me and I'm not saying I don't think I get annoyed people saying pictures not or anything like that. It's like I get annoyed with the whole kind of um UAP task force and stuff like that. And like as a case there's there's still analyzing pictures you know what i mean we're so body past that it's like unbelievable i mean it's oh, yeah. like i mean like even we passed that with the the training document and they were talking about that there's like basically this is like there's, there's something there mm-hmm. right and i mean when they it's like they should be looking more at um and they probably know this anyway you know what i mean but like with some of this thing the program and that but they should be looking more into eyes and like no Casey, what they are, and if they're there, it's like what they're doing. You know yeah. what I mean? That's it. I mean, it's like I mean, and, and I I don't know if that's going to be the scary aspect to it or or whatever. If what they're actually doing, 
um, because they've been here for a, a bloody long time doing it, whatever they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think, yeah, I think if my, my views on this are, we're not going to find out from the government and they probably won't know themselves. Um, we're not going to find out from sightings either. We're not going to, they're, they're not, my, my talk, my research past year has been, how do we use AI to determine, uh, to get an, an understanding on uh, on UFOs? And I, I'm a, I've come to the conclusion we can't. It's just AI is based on data. And everybody will talk about fancy algorithms. The, the basic of it is data. Mm-hmm. And when you look at, uh, like people, Malcolm Robertson and others will say 95% of sightings are, are incorrect. And even myself, who's seen these things, I do make mistakes. I've I've made all the mistakes that you can make, but I've definitely also seen UFOs. So how do you get the right data from the wrong data uh, from the right data from the wrong data and make a, a proper uh, AI model? It's very very hard. But where I see we can do it is by using things like uh, social media, for example, and trying to find out people who have determined uh, who have found who are claimed to be abducted abductions or experiencers. And trying to find trends and traits in them, do they seem to be more spiritual, or do they seem to be uh, suffering from anxiety? And that's definitely doable because that's how uh, that that's why we're using AI nowadays. It's because we're trying to find trends and traits in people so that we can actually market it to people. Mm-hmm. So we have the data there to do it, but just not in a roundabout way. Uh, I think I know it's a bit silly, but no, it's no. Yeah, OSAP we're trying to do it with the uh, with the immune system. What we could do with a and a much, much bigger uh, data source is actually yeah. find out people who are uh, who have been experiencers, and then from there we can actually see what sort of trends are there. Like, say, for example, if people start to be more spiritual or into Reiki or crystals and stuff like that, we can maybe get an assumption there's more something sort of like spiritual nature to this. But if people seem to be in anxiety or seem to be more scared of the dark or something like that, then we can maybe see there's maybe a more sinister aspect to it. Yeah, that's, uh, the, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's like... It's like we're, the the whole kind of aspect that you've got, it's all love and light, or it's like something sinister, or it's like I mean, it's it's like you've you've got that it's all love and light, or you've got a camp where it's like something sinister, and you've got another camp that just didn't actually get hooked, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but I mean, um, it's it's mad because you've got all that kind of going on, um, where. Like they're just it's just the now they're just playing a game with the whole kind of at least they're actually kidding on they're looking at like um would you call it the UEP tar, like arrow you know what I mean or government the news just they're not even I mean they've done a report in 2000, 2000 or whatever it was but they're, they're not actually the report they've done is probably better than the report's been done with the UEP task force than that already mm-hmm. I mean that was quite a lengthy report they've done I'm sure it's like 400 pages or something like that mm-hmm. um, and there was a lot in it but it's still came with the crunch where no defence significance and all that kind of stuff. That yeah. was then, though. That was then. and um, But the whole kind of thing, it's like, why were they here? I mean, that's it. So it's like the, the kind of conversation we had earlier on about there's different, people have got different ideas of why why they're here or why they're not here. And, I mean, nobody really knows. Nobody knows. There's all theories and conjecture and, and whatever. I mean, and the only, all we've got um it's basically the the stories of experiences, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. And the story for experiences is, don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm, 
I'm there to kind of believe experiences and things like that. <laughs> but like some of the experience or stories are either the experience that as a mixture with the experience that um firsthand or sometimes the experience it where it's almost like a kind of astral type thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As well. And I mean, and it's like um then you get to the whole point where you, you look at like folk with John Keel, for example, and and um Jack Valet, you know what I mean? They mm-hmm. they end up coming to the conclusion that it's like it's it's all the same thing. I mean, there's like masks there. No, I mean it's like it's it's almost like letting you see what you think you're going to see and, and stuff like that. I mean, where back in years and years ago where people seen like ships in the sky, actual like ships where like sails would come down ropes yeah. and stuff like that. And and then after that they would also see I know people have talked about this before, like they'd seen like some type of planes in the sky before planes were invented. It's almost like something kind of like edging us on. But it's 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 a mad one. Um we all that. You know what I mean? Amazing. What it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of like subscribing to some of the ideas when you, I mentioned this before, but the Lotus Cannon stuff where there's like multiple kind of things here and they've all got different agendas, which you could easily kind of buy into. Some are for us, some are not. Some are different. Some are here to help us. Um, some are just watching, you know what I mean? Some have got their own agendas where they're probably doing stuff and there is maybe nefarious bits there and maybe there's good bits there and there's maybe like a bit of a fight going on there. And using mm-hmm. this as like some type of proxy war, as I heard somebody kind of mentioned that, which I kind of thought that kind of suited the bill quite well. But we didn't really know anything. I mean, and we can only chip away and try and find out more. But it's 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 totally um, it's mind boggling. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the other thing as well that has been ignored with the UFO community and the paranormal community is uh, we've got people that are frightened. Or are uh, are are have been damaged by what they've seen. Now, I can tell firsthand that if you see something like a UFO, it changes your perspective on uh, on life and, and the world. Even though you don't know what it is, it does open your mind up. But there's people that have had terrifying encounters and stuff like that, and unfortunately, I've never had anything like that. But I think now as well that we're experiencers it must be hard for a lot of people who not only are are struggling to come to terms with what has happened to them but being struggled to be believed as well so yeah. I, I think as well that not only do we have to take people for face value until we've found out that there's unless there's something that's come out that's maybe a bit dubious but we're also going to have to talk about the human element about trying to be compassionate to these people and uh, uh, trying to understand Trying to understand and trying to trying to help them because, yeah, we're 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 way past uh, yeah, way past time uh, for uh, not be, uh, being something uh, might that might be there. The the one thing I wouldn't want to say that put me off uh, the Arrow Congress here as well was, Patrick was always saying we don't have any evidence of extraterrestrial, Aye. and I'm just thinking well. That's that's actually making the parameters extremely narrow, because it might not be extraterrestrial, and they could possibly say it, it could be like the something I don't subscribe to, but an extra dimensional hypothesis. Aye, but these people just play with words. You know what I mean? So they don't lie and stuff like that. You know what I mean, so if he, but the thing is though, he might he could turn in and say, well, like the CR, like let's say for example, he's, he's got a, a great picture of a UFO, or a great video of a UFO, or he sees a UFO. He still doesn't know that it's extraterrestrial, so he could easily say 
have no evidence of it being yeah. extraterrestrial. You know what I mean, because he's not got the craft in, he's not looking at it. But it's it's interesting when you you think. Uh, so let's say, for example, something does happen through Congress, which I'm quite dubious it will actually happen, right? Because there's there's people fighting it, some people fighting against it, and the and the Congress and the DOD, and then you've got everybody else in the wings, like the basically people who are at UFOs and any of this. And I mean, like ourselves. But you you get like um, all that going on, and let's say for example, we do get somewhere over it, and it's like the day end up getting retrieved craft or whatever out of some of these defense contractors, or they find this, um, which was alluded to. There's actually a craft that big that it can't be moved, and they built a structure in, over the top of it. And I mean, that was another one that's alluded that Greer alluded to, and um, what's his name? Ah, da, 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 da. what's his name again? What's his name again? Australian guy. Coulthard? Aye, aye, Coulthard. I mean, so he basically did to the same as well. So there's a, a craft that big. It, this has been coming out with some of the military insiders and stuff like that. A craft that big that it can't be moved and it's got a structure built at the top of it. There's no in the US. You know what I mean? People kind of thought it was it was somewhere else, like it was Korea or something like that. I was even thinking, I was actually thinking like the other, other day, there's like a what if it's somewhere like Antarctica or somewhere? They've just built a, built a structure at the top of it somewhere yeah. because like there. But anyway, so you've got all this. So let's say, I think of this as well. So like, let's say something comes out where I, we have got these and we've retrieved this, right? But that leaves them with a hell of a lot of mere questions to answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's like, Kenny, what did you find? What body did you find? What are they doing? What do you know about them? How long are you about them? You know what I mean? Have you clothed with them? You know what I mean? Because you can imagine, let's say, for example, a big craft like that crashing, that's just not carrying a couple of guys. What's that carrying? You know I mean, you think if, like, if, you've, if you've got a big a big craft that's landed and can't fly out anywhere or it's crashed or whatever, and then there's, let's say, for example, there's supposed to be hybridization programs and all that kind of stuff and that. Mm-hmm. What if there's something like that in that craft? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like if they've got a, a massive thing like that, it's supposed to be covered up or whatever. Um, you see, you, you think of these things when you get craft um, that's crashed and stuff like that or retrieved or whatever, they might only have a couple of occupants flying out, they might not have anybody or, or whatever else, but what if they've got, what if they're quite big and what if they've got like these things that are described where they've got instrumentation and tables and they've got um, other things on them that you that would, it would totally kind of freak you out, you know what I mean, in regards to the things like hybridization um, things to make that. You know what I mean? Or, you know what I mean? So I can't think of things like that. What I wonder is about the crashes is we hear too many crashes now. And I think it was on uh, Kurt Jermunkle's show, it was at the Theory of Everything. I believe, uh, if I'm right, Lou Alexander says like, they've been interfering with our DNA for about 65,000 years. Is that, is that, is that right? Ah, it was 70 years or something. Aye, 70,000 years. 70,000 years. <laughs> aye, apparently. You've got a species, and uh, we go back, and then let's just look at Terry Lovelace, who said uh, the the beings that he had telepathic communication with clearly were far more intelligent. So if we've got a species that is much more intelligent than us and has a, at least a 70,000-year advantage, why have they not? Like, you just think maybe they've maybe looked at the health and safety records and thought maybe... Maybe we'll, we'll avoid that bit or that certain area. The, the technology, I would. There, there must be an assumption to see why is there so many crashes. What it just, 
And I know it sounds absolutely fucking bonkers, this, you know what I mean? But that's that's what it laid in the book, that these things um, had basically you know, swapped technology for um, people or, or whatever. You know what I mean? And, and that, and that he was more comfortable put it in his first book, but put it in his second book, because they said they had to put it in. And that's why I asked him, and interview, I interviewed him, I said, do you think that they lie? So I was kind of thinking, do they just lie to discredit you? Or add maybe something in there to discredit you? Because if you tell the story, it just sounds that fantastical, that it's just totally bonkers. And he said, I wouldn't like to think, say, because this, this being he had a connection with through Misty's life, they said, I wouldn't, um, I'd feel like um, hurt or um, if that was the case, because he didn't think they would have done that. Um, and he said it does sound outlandish and stuff like that, but I had to relate it because that's what I was told. Um, but I stories like that, but you hear stories like that, right? Which is his story. And Terry Lovelace quite a, seemed a total genuine guy, you know what I mean? To me anyway, I kind of thought he was. And um, he had a, a, a kind of few high positions in that, what he did, you know what I mean? And, and didn't really any stories until he retired. But then you've got people like who came out before a lot of this stuff's even been out there, like John Lear, who got interviewed with George Knapp, and he talked about because um, he had a lot of military insiders he talked to because his dad invented like Learjet and all that kind of stuff and he was a pilot and everything he had a lot of connections and he basically was talking about some of this stuff actually some of the, the stuff he talks about now is like it's, it's, people are talking about it now coming out you know what I mean that was like in 80 87 or somewhere or 88 or whatever it was and then um, he was basically saying that it was a treaty made and then um, but then there was the, the great deception but I mean, I've never, I've never really heard what he alluded to, what the great deception was, but I mean, probably something like that, you know what I mean? Or they're doing whatever, or doing more of what they shouldn't have been doing, or whatever, or doing more of what they agreed to do, or, or whatever. But if, that's what you, if that's what you believe, you know what I mean? Obviously, I believe all this, and I believe in everything, but it's it's food for thought when you've got multiple kind of sources kind of pushing this out for different kind of, kind of things. And like, If you look at the, like, Talking about the stuff, going back to images for a second, when the Nimitz situation happened with Tic Tac, they had like multiple radars, multiple infrared and visual contact. So you see why going back to images is a little bit like, oh, come on, we've done that. But taking that back, let's look at some of the, the manoeuvres that that craft did. It went from like what, 80,000 feet, so that's 24,000 metres, so that's... 24 kilometers or is that 15 miles? And that went from 50, so say for example, I'm right, it's 15 miles. I might, my math might be wrong. It was, went, it was basically space. Yeah. So, so that's just, what it was. So it was in, because that was like the, it was um, whatever it was, it was the line of space, because that's where the, 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 space, the yeah. that's where the, the radars kind of went to or whatever. And yeah. it dropped from space to like about a meter above the speed, above the scene, a split second. Yeah. Now, how does, that's the bit that always I can't get in my head around. Like, why would a species that are able to do a manoeuvre like that? So basically, they, if they want to abduct somebody, they just do something like that. They, they target a house and go right from zero to whatever in, in less than a second, get there, pick it up, and then go right back before uh, before even the radar could detect them. But why, I, I don't know why would they want to have uh, he, he another, Here's another one that I was thinking on the same kind of mine kind of mm -hmm. thought right, right well 
we'll put it that way, like on that, there's different craft for different things. Mm-hmm. Right. So that craft that day seemed to be doing something. It mm-hmm. seemed to be um doing something like um to something that was under the water. And that's mm-hmm. when they seen it, right? So they got a track and they went and seen this thing, and then it basically they were following them for they said there was like loads of them, you know what I mean? Um, hundreds of them at one point or whatever, but they said there was loads of them and they were following the, the, the carrier route for two weeks. And then yeah. they went to see it, it was above it was above the water, it was under the water. Right. Well known the kind of story, but that was that seemed to be doing something, docking with something, doing something, or doing a job or whatever else. You could probably say that was maybe autonomous, unless it is maybe like a um a craft of yours of some sort, but I didn't think it was, right? So you've got that. So obviously there's different craft for different things, but then you get to the thing where you hear people talking about like the greys and all that kind of stuff and saying, right, are they are these things like AI or whatever, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Right. So Stay when we hear this, right? So people are saying that. So let's say these things are worker bees or they're AI in that, right? If you um and they didn't do much, they just basically so why would you need to send these things into people's rooms, right? To beam them up into some type of ship when you could just probably do that anyway. Or does it talk is the technology need they need they need to actually go down and grab the person and like and pull them through the wall or something like that? Because like it's like uh, you've got things like that. I mean, like, why could you know just have a, a fully, and, and that's the thing as well, if there were worker bees and there were all that kind of stuff, you wouldn't need them to pilot anything. You could just have something to drone, it would just fly itself. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be things where a spindly, that can't even really lift anything, mm-hmm. right? They're in a craft, they're, like they're flying this craft. I mean, you, I mean, it's, the now, you look at the thing we are now, I mean, if we're developing something like AI, you're not going to develop like a, an AI person to sit in something and fly something. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've got like a limited kind of job and like a quite spindly and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if I kind of agree with that idea that people are saying like the, the yeah. AI, maybe like being bred for something, right? But at the same time, what did it actually do? Yeah. Because like why, why would you have, because that's the main kind of thing with abduction scenarios and things like that is you maybe have like, three different types of or three beans come into your room and, and then they'll, they'll kind of take you away and whatever else. Good or bad, right? Good or bad abduction scenarios, you, you sometimes get that. You have like um, three beans coming through the wall or appearing through the wall or appearing in the room and then taking you somewhere. Sometimes taking you physically, as in like, like you feel their bodies going through the wall and all that kind of stuff. And then they'll, they'll be in a craft. Sometimes they'll take them Almost like it's it's like uh, an astral travel type thing. Yeah. So uh-huh. I mean, if these things are AI, why would you need them? Yeah. So yeah. I, I I study I, I'm uh, I study AI and I'm very interested in, in AI and there. So let let's look at like people like Terry Lovelace. Terry Lovelace had when he when he was it was in the tent he he saw the. Uh, the, the beings and they were going around like in, it was in twos wasn't it so they were going around in twos and he got the distinct impression these were like robotic Aye. the one thing is that within AI within robotics it's actually still a quite a uh, underdeveloped field and but what people who are saying what a lot of roboticists are saying now is you don't need to have a robot that looks like it's got like something from like uh, Star Trek or like C-3PO because the fact of the matter is that we can do these functions. What they'd want would to have to, a robot that does a specific type of function, nothing yeah. like us. And it would 
having different types of senses, like going back to IoT, it might be something that has those uh, radar or something like that. So it's configuration, it's way of, it's physical design software, how it works and how it interacts with us is going to be completely different. So why does something, uh, why does their AI have a biological component to it and why does it look so much like us? It's, uh, that that And you're absolutely right. Now, again, this is only, I, I've never seen it agree, but I have spoken to people that have, and they've said that they're actually controllable. So I've heard of people uh, just who have, have, have said they've seen them, and it's almost like you can almost communicate to them telepathically and get them to, to do something or to, to get them to relax. Now, again, this is only from what I've been told from other people. So I, I, I honestly don't know, but I do wonder if there's a consciousness aspect to it. Uh, I can I tell you a, a batshit theory I've got about the the whole thing. I've been looking at uh, the simulated universe recently, and one thing I wondered is what happens if it was an AI, a very intelligent AI, and to almost like have a paradox, it actually sends itself back in time and manipulates us to develop the technology to develop it, almost yeah. like a. Uh, it's a silly theory, but there's no because they, I, I I think of that as well, and I think I think to right. So let's say for example you were developing AI, right, and you were developing some type of robotic thing, right, mm-hmm. and you were making it more efficient and more efficient and more efficient and more efficient. Mm-hmm. You'd end up getting to us. Yeah, it's so a biological thing it could reproduce. Yeah, that's what we're looking at now. So when we look at like ChatGDP, we are um, within AI. There's a, well, now we've got what's called narrow AI. So narrow AI is like you'll have an AI model that uh, can drive a car. But that same AI model, if you got it to make a cup of tea, would be absolutely useless. And now with like ChatGDP, what, what's happening now is actually, ChatGDP is actually a bit of a misnomer. It's actually a bit of a, it's actually not one model, but it's actually about eight. And what they're doing is, uh, what's the other places? Hugging face which is like around Romanian they're making up models that can control different models. Mm-hmm. And what we're looking at is the onset of what's called artificial general intelligence, where we can have models that can do multiple different things. And they are actually starting to do, um, a, to, to not only uh, replicate what we can do, but in certain extent, in certain cases actually exceed us. It's at the, it's at the very, very uh, start of it, and people believe that AGI will be will come, uh, but they believe that that will be the point where uh, we we actually will have a AI will be coming too close to us, or potentially that it's actually expected to ex- exceed us. And then when we add quantum computing into the mix, what we uh, what a lot of scientists are talking about are things like uh, the singularity effect, where we just simply don't know. What will happen when you have like an ultra powerful quantum computer, um, and have a have a have like a AI model on it? Like one part of the AI, one type of AI model that will actually work on a quantum computer is what's called a a GAN or a was it generative adversarial neural network, and what that is is a type of technology that uses deepfake. Now, if you can make a deepfake image and you've got a quantum computer, could you make a deepfake universe? Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's just silly. I don't have any scientific literature to, to back it up. But 
we we're talking about things that are that are potentially even likely to happen within a lifetime, within the next ten years. So mm-hmm. it's incredible. On that note, were you saying that right? So I've got some kind of thing to do with that as well. So like maybe like the simulation side of it, and maybe AI or or so look at it this way: where and I'm not going and fully into kind of AI or simulation, but if you mm-hmm. think yeah, with the phenomena in general, in general, right, the phenomena, or even things like the laws of attraction, right? Let's look at that. Right? Yeah, the laws of attraction. So, um, before we even go to that. So we'll talk about that first. So laws of attraction. So you, if you want something, think about something like like really enough that will come to you, right? Like think that's kind of like the basis here, right? Kind of crude basis here. Um, the other kind of things is um, synchronicities. You think of something, you start seeing things a day where mere things come to you. You know what I mean? And all that kind of stuff. If you're kind of thinking about it enough, mm-hmm. you look at the phenomena. It looks back at you. You get things that happen. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. Start thing. So there's all that kind of stuff goes on, right? When you look at um. For example, the now where we all know our phones listen to us and stuff like that, right? So you've got like um different apps that you probably have clicked yesterday and then they read the small print and then yeah. your phone's listening to you and all that kind of stuff. So before you know it, um you you've told the wife that you you remember hanging about in a kitchen and you're getting kitchen adverts and that fire yeah. before you're internet on your phone and all that kind of stuff. Or I mean that happens. That does happen. You know what I mean? That's like gen up happen happens to me and my wife all the time where things will talk in the house and before you know it you've no mention to anybody else and you start getting adverts for it and stuff like that and I mean that happens like all day long but what about when you and that's just a programme you know what I mean that's just a like it's just analysing whatever and then putting the data in there then obviously firing your stuff back you know what I mean it's not maybe not an AI programme it's just a programme you know I mean it's it's doing that right and then you look further down for that. So there's other things we were talking about as well, me and the wife, and my wife's doing all this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? But yeah. talking about stuff where um, you start getting stuff fed to you that you're no thinking about. Well, in fact, that you've no talked outwardly about or typed anything. So I, if I, the last one I talked about where you might have no typed nothing in it, you might have no typed nothing on your phone, but you just talked about it, your phone listens to it, sends you some shit on it, right? <laughs> and uh, that happens all day long. But what about what happens when you didn't type it, you didn't talk about it, you think about it, and then you start seeing it? Because that happens as well. That's happened to me numerous times. It's happened to my wife numerous times. It's probably happened to a lot of my listeners out there as well, and maybe yourself. But you actually think about something with foot, even down the road, we actually looking at it. It's probably easily the fact that it's it's looked at a number of things that you look at or you're into or whatever else and it can just it can plot down the line of what you maybe want next, right? It might be something as simple as that. And then yeah. saying, you're like, ah, I was thinking about that, but how the hell is it showing me that now when I've even talked about it or typed it in? So think about that down the line, what that would look at, look like, you know what I mean? In some type of simulation or maybe not even simulation, just some type of like thing like this where the phenomena is that. Mm-hmm. advanced like that where you think you something and it comes to you you're looking at something it comes to you, you generate something it's happening you know what i mean so there's all that kind of aspect that i was kind yeah. of thinking about as well which is absolutely fucking bonkers but the, <laughs> the, 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 the first part about things about explainable would probably be uh, what i was saying about before about the ai and trying to find traits in people and what they'll do is there'll be ai that will determine different traits in people and then from there they'll be able to explain They'll, they'll probably find, well, uh, two people, 40s, 
lived here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, there's a more of a tendency for them to to like this sort of thing, and they'll just be saying your adverts, and they'll be and yeah, there'll, there'll be ones that you haven't even thought about, but or you have thought about, but you haven't typed into a phone. There, there, there is actually an explainable, explainable aspect to it, but there's also yeah, I see where you're coming from as well. Um, when it comes to synchronicities, I'm going to go off topic a bit, but um, I'll I'll tell you one of the the biggest synchronicities that's ever happened to me. And as I always say, I'm well aware that we always look at the 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 synchronicities that we that are valuable to us, but we probably missed a trillion others that throughout the day. But um, we talked to you a little bit about eight incident, and that's it in West Lothian. It's um, it's actually a really interesting place. It's called Harper Rig. There's an old abandoned castle. Uh, there's a website that's saying that that castle is actually the reason why Cairns was so used got its name. And uh, uh, there was a sky watch with SPI there, and uh, Alison Dunlop was in the show, was there. And both of us were there. Uh, Alison's uh, got a book coming out, and she actually mentions this uh, experience. And both of us had this sense of something black. Uh, I can't remember. Did she actually say on the, the show... Uh, about us seeing this, I can't remember, but uh, there was like a black pulsating energy. And I was like, oh, that's that's odd. And I also noticed it as well. And uh, I went back to living in Markinch at the time. And uh, we were looking at a new house because we were expecting our, our son to come. And then the next minute, a few days later, I had these really weird dreams. And I was like, I call them UFO dreams because they're not normal dreams they are quite disconcerting. They're just almost like saying, uh, we've kind of broken the connection with you, but you want to come back to it. You're interested in this, but we're coming back. And then a few days later, this massive golden orb appeared right in front of me. And uh, there's been synchronicities that have happened since then. Now, again, I'm, I'm very well aware that I'm probably being a bit silly, but we were not looking to move to Livingston. We are looking to Dundee, Fife area. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, these hills that we saw that night, I can see them every night from my bedroom, every night. Mm-hmm. And every time I go to the place, there's uh, something happens, something just weird happens. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. I took my pal there, and that night I was watching Howard Hughes' uh, TV programme, and Malcolm Robertson was on talking about the exact same that I'd just been to about three hours before. Aye. And uh, even other things like my dog's, my dog's pedigree and his uh, his his lineage, it's actually got Harper Rig. Now, why is an, a dog, why is this dog grandfather called Harper Rig? Now, and it's just silly little things. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's it. Some people yeah. miss them. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you need to be aware of them. To get them, I mean, but yeah. I mean, there's there's loads there. Some people can kind of totally miss them, and and that's it. You know, what I mean, nods and winks. You know what I mean, they're there. Definitely are. Yeah. Well, it's been a good kind of interesting chat. I mean, we've kind of been on the go for the last. Uh, I mean, the listeners probably didn't miss the miss the first part of the chat. So they're <laughs> on the go for like the last kind of good couple of hours, two and a half yeah. hours. So, um, listen, Matt, thanks very much for your time tonight and a uh, good interesting chat we'll definitely um, do it again um, I've got um, Ron Moorehouse coming on on Monday if you're interested um, yeah. um, legend in the big foot field um, so that's on the 6th and it'll be going out um, shortly after 
what I mean. So that'll be quite interesting. Look at that. But um, and then um, after that, we're going to do a wee bit in Ben McDo as well. Talk about um, bit of book reviewing that uh, on another night, and then we'll hopefully at some point get back up there and get a visit. Yeah, Ben McDo is a it's a it's a beautiful place in the world. It really is. Yeah, totally is, mate. Totally is. Right, well, um, so thanks very much, buddy, and listen, we'll, we'll catch up with you soon, all right? Yeah, brilliant. Well, thanks for having me on. That was good.